Hey, this is Philip from Year of the Fall, and I recently used Mark's Mix Feedback Service, and yeah, I must say it was an absolute game changer for my track. Um, Mark provided incredibly detailed and insightful video feedback, which yeah, really addressed every aspect of the mix. So not only did he provide feedback on the overall sound of the track, but he also precisely analyzed each instrument group um, guiding me through each step to enhance my track. And he offered insightful suggestions and techniques to enhance the quality of my mix. Yeah, and I got to say, uh, the impact of Mark's feedback was tremendous. Um, implementing his recommendations enhanced my track's clarity, uh, depth, and the overall impact in ways that I hadn't imagined possible. So yeah, I highly recommend Mark's mix feedback service to any musician or producer looking to enhance their tracks and uh yeah trust me you won't regret it you're listening to the inside the mix podcast with your host mark matthews hello and welcome to the inside the mix podcast i'm mark matthews your host musician producer and mix and mastering engineer you've come to the right place if you want to know more about your favorite synth music artists music engineering and production songwriting and the music industry I've been writing, producing, mixing and mastering music for over 15 years and I want to share what I've learned with you. Hey folks and welcome to the Inside the Mix podcast. As always, if you are a new listener, make sure you hit that follow button on your podcast player of choice and if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit subscribe and the notification bell so you know anytime there is a new Inside the Mix podcast episode. So at the point of recording this episode, we are now in the beginning of February and it was a very, very busy January for the podcast and synth music mastering of the new website and other various bits and pieces, other initiatives being launched as well and obviously planning for this year in particular. But one thing I want to make you aware of and I'm working on this today, so I've mentioned it a few times, but the podcast artwork is changing. It's the exact same podcast I'm just changing the artwork to make it more SEO friendly. So it will actually say what the podcast is about rather than Inside the Mix. As I've mentioned it before, Inside the Mix, I know what it's about and you, the listener, do as well. But if you were looking at just the artwork, it could be about mixing cement, mixing food, could be about numerous things with regards to mix, right? So I'm going to make it more SEO friendly so I can get more listeners involved in the podcast and ultimately have more of you on the podcast as well. So in this episode, we're returning to an episode format that is quickly becoming my favorite. And this is where you, the listeners, submit a music production, mixing or music industry question for me to answer. And that then becomes the basis of the podcast episode. So if you want to get involved and do this, all you need to do is submit an audio message via SpeakPipe using the link in the episode description. And you don't need any specific software to do this. You can use the mobile, you can use your mobile phone microphone. All you need is the web app. So you click on the link. You don't even need to create an account. 30 seconds, record your question, and then I'll play it on the podcast itself before I answer the question. Alternatively, like in this episode coming up, if audio isn't your thing and you'd rather just write a question, you can submit it to me at Inside the Mix Podcast on Instagram via DM or you can email me inside the mix podcast at gmail.com. But remember to include a link to where I can send our audience because I want to give you a shout out for taking the time to submit a question for me to answer. So this episode's question was submitted by my good friend Alea and uh, he has been on the podcast as part of the producer kickstart and he's also submitted questions in the past as well and if you want to find him on instagram it's underscore underscore e-r-l-e-a i'm looking to my left to get this right underscore underscore so that's underscore underscore e-r-l-e-a underscore underscore and chuck him a follow and also listen to his music as well it's really really good stuff 
So his question is this. For someone who is really new at this, learning how to play your music live is something that I could really use help with. I'm sure there are YouTube videos, but literally hear it from somebody who started with zero knowledge and can explain exactly what you will need would be really helpful. Okay, cool. So let's dive in. So I'm going to answer this using my experience having played over 100 shows in what was essentially an independent band. So when I was in Engraved Dissolution, the death metal heavy metal quintet, I played over 100 shows in the UK and toured in Northern Europe as well. So I've got a bit of experience when it comes to that really grassroots level and then building up to playing bigger shows. So there's a lot that goes with it. It's not just about how you perform and play your instrument, but there's a lot that leads up to actually hitting the stage. There's a lot that goes before it. So in this episode, I'm going to go through my experience. Now, I'm not saying this is all necessarily 100% correct. This is just what I experienced on the road as a gigging and touring musician. So these are my top nine tips. The tip number one really goes without saying, and that is rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Practice, 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 right? And there's a few bits that go with that. So this is what I encountered as a gigging and touring musician. So as a musician, I I was a guitarist, I'm a guitarist, so that's what I played live. Um, We always are practicing, but there are a few things that I felt really helped me when it came to actually performing live, because it's a different beast, right? It's a different animal. You're not sat down in the comfort of your own home. You're stood up and you're in front of potentially thousands of people performing, playing your instrument. And you're very open there. It's a very open experience. Albeit in the band, there were four other individuals on stage with me. So it took a lot, took pressure off in that respect. I wasn't up there on my own with my instrument. That's a very, for want of a better way of putting it, sort of naked experience, right? So my first one is to play with your eyes closed. So rehearse your music and play it with your eyes closed. Specifically, if you are an individual who is performing live and you are having to sing at the same time, that is quite a skill and it's not something I ever really got down. I was always a rhythm guitarist. I didn't provide backing vocals. Between songs, I would talk to the crowd and whatnot comes being on the podcast i'm a talker right but i found that if i could play the music with my eyes closed it meant that i could focus on the crowd and i wasn't sort of stood there shoe gazing right whilst i'm playing it was heavy metal you've got to have a presence you've got to have a presence you've got to be tall you've got to stand tall and you've got to be confident or at least you've got to appear confident as part of rehearsing as well is to practice playing your instrument stood up So it might sound weird, but I used to practice stood up and I would also practice my stance. We call it the power stance. So there was me and the other guitarist, Toby, and we we referred to as the pillars in air quotes. So we would stand either side of the singer in the middle and then the bassist would just be going wild in the background, right? Albeit nearer to the front. And we were considered like the pillars. So we would have these power stances. That's like foot on monitor, guitar showing, looking out to the crowd, pouting, you know, looking menacing. So... Not only would I practice in the comfort of my own home, would I practice stood up, I would also practice with my leg on the sofa with my power stance so I could translate that live and it felt comfortable. So it may sound weird, but I think it's important. Obviously, it depends on what music you're playing, but this, once again, I'm taking from my perspective as a gigging heavy metal musician. I would actually practice my stance and also being practice stood up playing my instrument it's also important to look at the audience again you are you want to engage with the audience right you want to look at them so what i used to do was i would pick a reference point and i would return to it and i'd know that actually if i'm just 
zoning around the room, just looking sort of wildly around the room, I could look at this reference point and then I could use that and sort of center myself and then work from there. Because I, re- I remember being in the band after we'd had a few beers playing live, as if you are listening to this, you've done this, <laughs> you can sort of lose track of where you are slightly. So I always found having a reference point that I could zone in on and go back to. And that was also a comfort for me in a way that if I had made a mistake or I was coming up to a particularly tricky part of a song, I would focus on that reference point and it sort of grounded me and relieved some of that anxiety. Because as we know as musicians, there are parts of songs that we write in the studio that can be quite tricky to translate live. So having that reference point and being able to centre yourself, calm yourself down during a during a song, I think is really, really important. Now, admittedly, that's probably moving outside of the rehearsing aspect, but it is kind of like preparing, rehearsing, practising. So I'll lump it in there with the tip of rehearsing. But my final one, um, sort of sub tip for rehearsing is this, and this probably could be one on its own, is know your weaknesses. So how does your music translate live and can you perform it live? Now, I know, having gone in the studio, there were riffs that I found really difficult to record and nail and get clean. And we would have to break it down. And when it came to playing it live, as we know, a lot of the time, if you're not playing to click, the uh, the drummer, the tempo can then go up by 10 BPM, which makes it even more challenging. Okay, so know where your weaknesses are. How can you play that same segment of music, that same passage, but make it easier for yourself, specifically as well if you're singing at the same time? How can you make it easier for you? Because what you don't want to do is trip up right and stop the song. Only did it. Only did I do that once, and <laughs> it was shocking. Um, it was my section to come in and play this particular sort of um, bit of guitar. I think it was a bit of lead, if I remember rightly, and I totally fucked it up. <laughs> we had to stop the song and start again, and I was just like, man, I thought I was going to get through my whole stint in the band without doing it, but unfortunately I did, and that is because I hadn't identified my weakness and actually acted on it. I thought I'll just muddle through and hope for the best. So identify the weakness and think, okay, well, how can I make this easier? Can I play the riff or play the song slightly differently in this section? Can I not sing? Can I get samples? Can I get another musician to play that part for me? And then I'll just drop out and just sing instead. Or can I get somebody else to sing that part? And I'll just concentrate on playing. So use the tools that you have around you to your advantage. So yeah, identify your weaknesses. How does your music translate live? And can you actually perform it live? Probably could be a tip in its own, but it does fall under the rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. So my second tip is to engage with the audience. Think about what you're going to say in between songs and also at the beginning, at the end of your set. A key tip here is to look at what's happening in the local area and the local music scene leading up to the gig and then drop that in the middle of a couple songs or even at the beginning that way you're showing that you care about the audience okay you've done a bit of research you know that this festival is happening or this local band has done this or something along those lines it shows that you've taken an interest in the actual local music scene the local area and this will put yourself in a really good position as well with the local bands on the bill and also research obviously you want to give the place a shout out as well so make sure you get that right i've seen countless videos on youtube where I think I've seen this, I've been a WWE fan way back when. I think I saw Hulk Hogan do this. I think he called out the wrong, the wrong city, right? He got it totally wrong. Um, but yeah, make sure you quote the right city, town, or even village if you're playing in a village. Um, or a hamlet, as we have over here in the UK. I don't know if that translates well in other countries. But yeah, look at the local area. 
Think about what's going on and how you could use that in your set as well. Also, have a call to action. So if you've got a new release, if you've got new merch, if you've got a mailing list, send that audience to your merch table. And what I recommend to do here is have a QR code for people to scan. We used to use a clipboard with a piece of paper where people would write their details, but I probably wouldn't do that now. And I personally would be reluctant to do that to just put my name and my email address and have loads of people see it. But maybe that's my tinfoil hat, right? But I would have a QR code that people can scan for your mailing list. And you can do that for pre-saving a release that's coming up. And also you want to signpost them to music that's already out there that they can purchase and also your merchandise as well. And it's also a really good time to just chat to people, to network and build a rapport with those people that have just seen you because networking is huge. When you are a gigging musician you want to make as many contacts that you can along the way so my third tip is this and it's quite a cliched one and that is to perform the same whether it's to the sound guy and his dog or the musician's girlfriends or boyfriends or partners or it's a huge venue full of people okay i had this experience we went to bristol and we played at a place called the croft i think it's called the crofters now and i remember we went on stage and the room <laughs> emptied and it was just the sound guy So we took that opportunity. We played as though we were playing to a room packed full of people. But we also took the opportunity to play new material on how it would translate live. So you could think on your feet there. Okay, well, if there's no one here, they've all left for whatever reason. We could use this opportunity to rehearse new material and perform it live. So it's a really quick one there. But that is to perform to the same professional level regardless of who is in the room. The fourth tip is to have a backup instrument. And uh, we found this out the hard way. We were playing the launch show for our album. We'll be right back. So I've got a hunch about a common struggle we all face, mastering. If you're an independent artist or music producer, you've probably encountered the frustration of masters that just don't hit the mark, right? They lack balance and refuse to play nicely across different devices and environments. Ever found yourself wondering, why don't my masters sound like my references? Perhaps you've spent countless hours attempting to master your tracks only to be unsatisfied with the results. Maybe you've tried every Silver Bullet plugin or even dabbled in AI. Or perhaps you're already working with an engineer, but you're eager to explore different possibilities. Well, here's the solution you've been searching for, Synth Music Mastering. I'm offering a game-changing opportunity with a one-time free test master for a limited time. Picture elevating your music with my unwavering commitment to quality and a personalized touch that you just don't get with the big mastering studios. The best part, it won't cost you a penny. Just submit your finished mix and let's see how we can transform your music together. Don't let mastering be a mystery any longer. Say goodbye to the frustration and step into a world of sonic excellence. Grab your free test master now, click the link in the episode description, or head over to synthmusicmastering.com. The Eternal Rest. And uh, we took to the stage, we were a room packed full of people. It was a Halloween gig. It was it was a fucking incredible gig. And um, within the first song, the uh, Tobes guitar, he uh, his string broke. And <laughs> if I remember rightly, we didn't have a spare. So fair play to Tobe. He managed to think on the fly and he ran off. He quickly restrung his guitar, 
but obviously restringing the guitar, it puts it out of tune. So he was having to sort of work out the key on the fly to the tuning that his guitar was then in. He did really well in dealing with it. But had we had a spare guitar, we could have just picked that one up and immediately just switched the two over. So it might sound quite obvious to have a backup, but it doesn't always play out that way. And uh, we learned that the hard way. Thereafter, we always had at least one road guitar that was strung. Strung? Is that the right word? I think so. That had strings in tune and was ready to go in case that ever happened again. So, I mean, it makes it easier if you have something like a guitar or a trombone or something like that. I never played a trombone. I'm just picking random instruments. With a drum kit, it makes it slightly more difficult, but you could think about having a spare snare. I don't know how easy that would be. It's just more stuff to carry around, I guess. But yeah, to summarize there, folks, have a backup instrument ready to go so you can quickly just switch out. Tip number five, another really short one. Batteries and cables have spares. Okay, the likelihood is a cable is going to break, batteries are going to run out, and you need to make sure that you have spares ready to go. What you don't want to do is be scrabbling around the venue asking people, do you have a battery? Do you have a C battery? Do you have some double A's, triple A batteries? Or alternatively, do you have a spare cable I could use? Blah, blah, blah. Make sure that you have spares ready to go. I have a flight case just full of spare cables and batteries. I've still got it here in the studio. I haven't used it in years. In fact, I opened it the other day to get a screwdriver out and I found some um, the Lynx Africa deodorant. So that is another sub tip if you are a gigging musician is to have a travel deodorant in your flight case ready to go as well. My poison was Lynx Africa. So uh, a sub tip I'm chucking in there for you. So tip six is to research the venue. When does it open? When is loading? Okay. What is the local parking like? Where can I load in? Where can I load out? Obviously, when you turn up to a venue, what we used to do was we would just put the hazards on and stick the van up on the curb if we had to, and then we would load in, but make sure somebody was stood out with the van in case somebody came and knocking and said, hey, move your van. Thereafter, we would then find a car park nearby, 24-hour car park. What you don't want to do is get locked in a multi-story, so make sure it's 24-hour and then leave the van there, but make sure it's within close vicinity so we can quickly get to it. So quite a short tip, but research the venue, know where the load in and load out is, know the opening time and closing of the venue as well. And another sub tip to go with that as well that we used to find quite helpful if we were staying overnight would be, can we leave our equipment in the venue and collect it in the morning? Because once you've played a show, it's late at night, you might not want to be unloading gear, specifically if you've had a few beers. Okay, Now, you shouldn't be driving anyway, to be honest, and moving that van should have a designated driver. But think about, actually, could I just leave the gear here overnight and then collect it in the morning? Funny story with that, actually. We did that, and we actually ended up sleeping in the venue. This was a venue in Essex somewhere, and I cannot remember where. But we ended up sleeping. I remember sleeping on the stage. I used to have a camping bed that I would put up. That's another top tip. Have a camping bed ready to go. And I slept next to the drum kit. So that was quite an experience, quite a fun one. There was a massive party going on downstairs. But at that point, I was knackered. But yeah, so uh, I digress slightly there, folks. But research the venue. Load in, load out, parking, local parking, and opening and closing times. Tip seven is a really important one for me, and that is to liaise with the other artists on the bill. Now, this is important to me because if you are sharing equipment or the idea or the assumption is that you are sharing equipment, you need to have that conversation with the other artists. What you don't want to do is leave it until you're about to go on stage and suddenly plug into their 
their amp or put your amp head on top of their cab and then just plug into it. I had this experience. I had my gear all set up, ready to go. We were the headlining act and somebody went on stage and they just plugged their guitar into my 6505 and then started playing and <laughs> and changing the settings that I had. And I was like, hold on a minute. This, this person hasn't had one conversation with me about using my equipment. And also they're changing my settings on my amp and it's changing the sound that I had dialed in during the sound check. So had they had a conversation with me, then it would have been a different experience. But don't assume that you are using the equipment that is there. Have that conversation beforehand. Reach out to the promoter, reach out to the venue. If you're reaching out to the promoter, ask them to put you in contact with the other bands so you can have that one-to-one conversation. Don't. I would recommend not going through the promoter if possible because you've got that man in the middle. Obviously, if it's a huge gig, then that's different. But I'm talking sort of that uh, touring independent musician level at the moment. And if you're talking to the venue, obviously, just talk directly to the venue. But it's something that you can find out quickly when you get there. And another sort of sub tip to go with this is to get there early so you can iron all this out, specifically if you're using the gear in the venue. What you don't want to do is get there at soundcheck and then realize, oh, I need a cab. Or, or something along those lines, yeah? So just communicate with the other bands. Don't assume that you're going to be using their gear until you've had that conversation. Tip eight. Now, this is really important to me because I was in a venue in Bournemouth and there was sudden feedback in the loudspeaker on the right-hand side and it went right through my right ear, almost blowing my ear. And thereafter, I used ear protection. So I invested in actual proper ear protection for touring gigging musicians and it made all the difference because at that point I was like you know what obviously ears my ears I need to be able to hear what I'm doing it's my livelihood so invest in ear protection to begin with when I put them in I found it quite isolating on stage and it would also attenuate certain frequencies so my top tip there is when you are dialing in and sound check your sound do it without the ear protection Obviously, when you're playing as the whole band, put them in. But what I found was with these particular ones, they weren't the most expensive, admittedly, but it did attenuate some frequencies. So what I was hearing with my ear defenders in, the the audience was hearing something slightly different. So do bear that in mind. Bear that in mind. You may think, oh, this 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 uh, guitar tone is absolutely banging. But then you take them out and you've got this incredible sort of like 3K weird shit going on. So just bear that in mind as well. But I do in- recommend investing in high quality ear protection. And this also falls under the rehearse, rehearse, rehearse tip one is to practice playing as a band, as a musician with ear protection in as well. Because as I say, to begin with, I found it quite isolating. I felt like I was in a different room to the other uh, performers on stage to to my bandmates but you get used to it after a while so I guess two tips there use ear protection and then practice performing playing your instrument as a band and as an individual with ear protection as well so my ninth and final tip is this and that is stay to watch the other artists so that includes being there at the beginning if you are the sort of headline act or further up the bill to show support for the other artists because as I mentioned earlier there are gigs where you play to you potentially play to no one and at least if you're on a bill with four other bands you know there's potentially going to be 10-15 people in the room even if it's the other artists is to stay and support them at the beginning and also at the end obviously if you have a train to catch or something like that totally understandable there's mitigating circumstances but where possible show your support stay and watch the other artists 
because the likelihood is they'll do the same for you. So it's only right that you do the same for them. So stay and support the other artists. So there we go, folks, my nine top tips for preparing for a live performance. Now, admittedly, they're not all directly linked to actually performing and playing your instrument, but hopefully there are some nuggets of wisdom in there from what I experienced in my tenure as a gigging and touring musician. I had a great time, by the way. And I've got three extras for you. These are really short. Keep the sound guy on side. Don't piss them off. Number two, don't drink too much. Our drummer fell off his stool once, and once I drank too much. And there's a picture of me somewhere online on our band's uh, social media, and I'm stood in the crowd with my back to the crowd, (laughs) and I look lost. Uh, But I had a great time. Uh, Number three, this is specific to the UK, but if you've got an equivalent in the country you're in, seek out the nearest weather spoons because as touring musicians, we want to get the food as cheap as possible if it's not put on by the venue. And weather spoons is great for a meal, a relatively cheap meal before you hit the stage. So folks, a couple of things just before you go to learn more about performing live and band chemistry. Check out episode 94 of the podcast, Harmonising Live Music, Band Chemistry and AI conversation with Pensacola Mist. And if you want to learn more about my experience within the band Engraved Disillusion and uh, a chat with my bandmates, check out episode 10, way back when, of the podcast, Behind the Inside the Mix podcast, where I get together with Chris and Tobe, the drummer and the guitarist from the band Engraved Disillusion, and we chat about our time in the band and also recording as well. And it's, uh, it's a really funny listen, really, really good stuff. So go check that out as well. And if you want to be like my friend Alea and you have a burning music production, mixing or music industry question remember you can submit a message via speakpipe again all you need is your mobile phone and its microphone using the link in the episode description or you can send me a dm with your question via at inside the mix podcast on instagram or you can email me at inside the mix podcast at gmail.com and remember to include a link to where the audience can find you online because i want to give you a shout out and send some people your way and before you go again make sure you head over to instagram and give alia some love that's underscore underscore e-r-l-e-a underscore underscore Whoa! Before you go, make sure to snag your free test master from Synth Music Mastering. Imagine enhancing your music with my steadfast dedication to quality and that personalized touch. And here's the kicker, it's absolutely free, no cost at all. Simply head over to synthmusicmastering.com or click the link in the episode description to claim your free test master.